The Florida Gators got a commitment this week in Mike Williams from Baltimore. We're going to talk about that and so much more here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown college. And when you enter promo code, Locked on college, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. And we're going to talk about Florida Gators baseball a little bit later, just a little bit later, because, you know, kind of an important time for baseball. But right now, Mike Williams committed to the Florida Gators on Monday evening. We talked about that a little bit yesterday with Brandon Carroll. Of course, we recorded before he committed. It came out after he committed. But even on the show, we were like, yeah, we're pretty sure he's committing to the Florida Gators. He did commit to the Florida Gators on Monday evening. He was previously committed to the South Carolina Gamecocks, and then he decommitted. I know that there's some South Carolina fans and even some Gators fans that are like, oh, no, he didn't decommit. He was dropped. And there's other sides that are like, well, no, not really. It's that he wanted more money, and they said no. What is it really? <clears throat> who's, who's to say? Who's to say about that other than, you know, the people actually involved? But it also led to a discussion when Mike Williams was leading up to his commitment. It was look like like pretty much after the visit, Florida Gators fans felt pretty good that Mike Williams was going to commit to the Florida Gators. And by felt pretty good about that, I mean that they felt pretty confident he would commit. Gator Nation on Twitter and in Discord servers and on message boards were just insufferable uh, because it was, well, why would we want him? Look at his ranking. Look at this. He was dropped by South Carolina. Now he's going to be a Gator. And it was all those complaints. Uh, here's the thing. And if, if you've listened to the show before, you know, if you're an everyday or you especially know, I don't care about his ranking ranking means nothing to me or very little to me i'll say i don't want to say nothing it means very little to me like chauncey bowen's jumping 157 points immediately after flipping from florida to georgia which which in in rivals defense they had quite a few people jump 100 to 200 spots even it's just the timing that is like I think they timed it specifically after this commitment just so they can get Gators fans riled up. That's that's my theory on it. Not that they bumped him because he flipped from Florida to Georgia, but the reason that they chose to release the ranking right now is because of that. That's my theory of it. That, that's, that's where I'm going with it. Uh, I'm not going with they bumped him because he left Florida. I'm going with they waited to bump him until he left Florida, but they knew he would. Um, anyway, Mike Williams, currently a three-star commit. He is currently the lowest ranked Florida Gators commit on this 2024 class. 
Uh, he is the 98th offensive tackle in the country, according to 24-7. He's 1,326 nationally, according to the 24-7 composite there. Again, this just leads me to go, I don't really care about his ranking. And that's not me trying to cope, because if you listen to here, and like I said, if you're an everydayer, you know that's kind of how I feel just in general about these rankings. Like, they might be helpful, but long-term... No, they matter when they commit, sure. But long-term, it is not indicative of whether or not a player will find success. It is not indicative of whether or not a player will play a role for a team. It's not so much of that comes down to the evaluation beforehand. So much of that comes down to the development on campus. And so much of that comes down to whether or not the player is really willing to put in the work. What I will say, and I've said this before, Billy Napier's evaluation process is incredible. Like I've mentioned, and I've told the story before, and if you haven't heard it before, you're about to, and it's probably not going to be the last time you hear it, where Billy Napier doesn't write these one, two, or three-sentence scouting reports that so many college coaches write about high school kids. Billy Napier writes full-length, like, NFL-quality scouting reports on these kids. So Billy Napier is comfortable with his evaluation and comfortable with what the kid can be for him. That's kind of all I need. Like we can say whatever we want about Billy Napier's scheme. You can say whatever you want about Billy Napier's, you know, um, lack of aggression recruiting wise, whatever. You can't say Jack Diddley about his evaluation process. Okay. So Mike Williams, someone that can contribute to the team. Also something that, I've talked about it incessantly. Six foot seven, 310 pounds is what Mike Williams is listed at according to 24-7. Okay. Rob Sale and Darnell Stapleton and Billy Napier have a type. And that type is big boys up on the offensive line. Okay. They want large human beings. Six foot seven, pretty damn large. Even if they're exaggerating a little bit. And he's, you know, six, five and a half, six, six. That's still a pretty large individual. And so when you look at that, I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable with Rob Sale as an offensive line coach and developer. I'm comfortable with Darnell Stapleton as an offensive line coach and developer. I trust what these guys can do as far as developing players. And especially with Rob Sale, we've seen it time and time again. Look at the recent players that have gone from Louisiana to the NFL. Actually, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, with seeing which Louisiana players are in the NFL and which of those were Rob Sale offensive line guys, uh, because I feel like that's kind of super relevant here, where I know a lot of people say recruits don't really care about that, but there are also a lot of recruits that do care about that. But you look at often of just players in the NFL from Louisiana, there's like like 12 here, but you look at, Robert Hunt, offensive line, was a, believe, second-round pick in 2020. Robert Hunt's a Rob Sale recruited and developed offensive lineman. Max Mitchell, fourth-round pick last year to the Jets, was a Rob Sale recruited and developed offensive lineman, except for his last season in Louisiana, where Rob Sale was with the New York Giants. Kevin Dotson, Rob Sale recruited and developed offensive lineman, 
from Louisiana, fourth round pick in 2020. Steelers, I believe he's a starter this year or was a starter. Okay. Those are NFL quality offensive linemen. You look at Osiris Torrance. Rob Sale recruited and developed offensive lineman that was just an All-American and went to the NFL. Second round pick to the Bills. Okay. If you've got what it takes to get to the NFL, Rob Sale can get you there along the offensive line. So Mike Williams, like you fit the physical profile that they're looking for. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together and becoming a legitimate contributor in the SEC. But I'm not going to sit here and cry and about his ranking. That's stupid to do. Okay, because we've seen them be wrong so many times. One of my favorite examples, actually, is uh, I think it's 2019's recruiting class. Uh, is that the one that had, let's see, once we get to the top of it, Chris Steele, Kyrie Lim. Yep. All the, all these players, 21 enrollees here at the top. The huge majority of them were not big contributors to the Florida Gators, aside from Kyrie Elam. Uh, Naquan Wright had some production. But even like Keon Zipper hasn't really done much. Mahmoud Diabate transferred out. Michael Tarquin is now transferred out, but was a starter. But you look at the bottom of that list, the lowest ranked enrollee from that class was all SEC last season and Ethan White. Like, so I, I don't care too much about these rankings. I'm not going to say that because you were a three-star offensive lineman, you cannot work out. Rob Sale, Darnell Stapleton can develop you and help you become great if you've got that potential. So that's where I stand on the lowest ranked recruit for the Florida Gators, the lowest ranked commit for the Florida Gators. Doesn't matter in the slightest to me. We are going to talk about the rest of that 2024 class, though. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts you're ever going to wear. Okay. And like, I wear shorts a lot. I'm the kind of person where if it's 50 and up, there's a chance I'm in shorts. So for me, Bird Dogs, comfortable. Light when it is hot out, great to work out and went to like basketball on the other day, went to lifting on the other day, went for a walk with them the other day. And I felt perfect the entire time. Just it, it was fantastic. You can go swimming in them, which I did a couple weeks ago. But thank you for Memorial Day weekend. Appreciate you. But you can do whatever you want in Bird Dogs. They're incredibly comfortable. And when you go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college, they will give you a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order thanks again for making lockdown gators your first listen of the day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts and we're not going to go super in depth here but we are still talking about like this is a florida gators recruiting class that you still have some needs to fill obviously now you've got what eight commits here uh it's been kind of up and down lately with the florida gators but there are still some big needs and for me it's like Pass catchers right away is the first thing that jumps out to mind because you've got DJ Lagway already. Like you, you need guys that are going to be contributors to his offense and to this offense under DJ Lagway. Like you need, I'm going to say at least two more wide receivers, which Florida's in pretty good shape for some. You've currently got Isaiah Williams committed. He's going to be thought of as more of like your your slot guy. He's probably going to be thought of as the uh, the Eugene Wilson the third from the 2023 class. Then you look at who else Florida is recruiting. Jeremiah Smith, Ohio State commit. We know Florida is pushing for him. Whether or not he flips at all, we'll see. But we know that Florida is in this, and this is one that we expect to be a down-to-the-wire National Signing Day recruitment. Florida is not going to stop that. Caleb Odom. Now it looks like it's Florida and Alabama for Caleb Odom. 
who's I know thought of as like wide receiver tight end hybrid. I know that his coaching staff sees him as more of a wide receiver than a tight end, although they have been showing him film of how Kyle Pitts was used with Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. And they've been like, Hey, like we could use you like this, which I mean, yes, Kyle Pitts, fantastic tight end, fantastic wide receiver. If you wanted to be. So I think that with Caleb Oden, you could show that tape and you'd be like, well, okay, we see you as a wide receiver. Kyle Pitts was used like a wide receiver frequently. And so you're looking at that. Jare Hawkins is someone who Florida has been gaining traction with uh, for Jare Hawkins. It's down to Florida and Penn state mostly. What will he decide? Hopefully, Florida. Uh, Jare Hawkins is the player that we talked about uh, yesterday with Brandon Carroll. And it was like, hey, this coaching staff sees Jare Hawkins as, you know, Jalen Waddle, Kadarius Tony kind of player. And they want to use him like that. Like, essentially, uh, a little bit of, again, we'll say modernizing just for lack of a better term. Chance Robinson's a Miami commit that just visited this past weekend. It seems like it's Florida. Miami for Chance Robinson, although if I'm not mistaken, uh, Chance Robinson also tweeted, he tweeted a Gator, the U logo, and a Lion. Um, and that was like, that's what he tweeted. And I know Miami fans were pissed. because They were like, how are you committed and you're releasing a top three? Because he just did. Get over it. Welcome to 2023. And also Florida has uh, Tawaski Abrams on campus this coming weekend, or at least scheduled to visit this coming weekend, currently a Florida State commit. So, hey, I, I, I'm cool. If you could take anybody from an in-state rival, I'm cool with it. Or if you want to go, you know, out of state and take Jeremiah Smith from Ohio State, I'd be very happy with that. Also, tight ends. You need probably at least two more. You can count Tony Livingston as a 2023 kid, which I like to do that because he didn't get on campus until this past January. So, basically a 2023 kid, even though he's part of the 2022 class officially. But Walter Matthews, Florida's trending up with him. It's Florida USC right now. He had a visit scheduled to Miami yesterday, which he canceled. Jonathan Eccles, a Tennessee commit. Florida's been pushing for him. Eric Carner, Florida's right now the favorite for him from Illinois. He's like the guy that I've said, if you only get one tight end, Eric Carner is the one that I want. Uh, Amir Jackson is going to be on campus, I believe, this weekend. He's got his visit scheduled 6'5", 210 out of Georgia right now. He's thought of publicly as a Florida probability. Maybe Florida can actually lock in a commitment while someone's on campus this week. Uh, offensive line, you always need to bring in at least four offensive linemen. Florida's in for a bunch of them. Uh, even this week alone, Florida's got what? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, four guys that are scheduled to visit campus this week that are offensive linemen. That's kind of been the trend. You've got to bring in some of these guys. You got Mike Williams on Monday. Fantastic. Get more build upon that is a big folk is a big focal point here, especially because like Rob Sill, Darnell Stapleton, I've said it. Fantastic developers. Recruitment. It's been a bit of an issue so far. Locking in these big name recruits. Like you've been hats on the table for a good, for a good chunk of them. Uh, Francis Maui Goa, to name one, you've got uh, Samson Oak and Lola from last year. Great hat on the table. Um, lock them in. I don't care about money. I don't, I don't care about that. Lock them in. Okay. Good players will go where they need to go to get to where they want to go. Okay. So if you can convince them of that, do it. Uh, defensive line. Like, I think for me, the bigger selling point for defensive line is 
continue to get guys who could play at least two spots on the defense or on the defensive front, we'll say. Whether that's, you know, uh, David Stone, who could play the zero, one, or three. And the zero, one is kind of like your, your nose tackle, like I've said. Uh, and your three is Javon Dexter last year. Whether that's playing the three and the five, which is playing, you know, what uh, Javon played last year or what Prince Leumon Mielin played last year. The five or the jack, like Jordan Ross has said, they look at me as playing a D-end or jack linebacker role, like versatile playing between both of those. Great, do that. I don't care what roles they can play. Get someone who can play multiple roles and contribute in multiple ways for your defense. Give them multiple responsibilities. Be multiple. We talked about this, I think it was last week with Brian Smith. It's like, hey, you have to be multiple. It's 2023. You have to be multiple in the coverages you play, the pass rush plan you have, the blitzes, everything, just lining up. You need to be multiple. So continue to get those multiple guys. And the secondary, like you always need more. You're pretty good at safety right now. You've got some solid safeties there. Gotta keep it going, especially with the traction that you've made with other guys. Like, you know, you look pretty good with a lot of, with, we'll say, a good deal of recruits. Lock them in. And also, it's more so about locking them in now, as opposed to doing this whole drag out through the summer kind of thing. Lock them in, dude. Just lock them in. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about Florida Gators baseball here, and I know that I did not talk a ton about baseball this season. That is because it seemed like a lot of people did not care when I did. Uh, but I did get a DM last week that was like, hey, can you talk a little bit more baseball? I would love to. I would love to. I love the Sword of Gators baseball team. I, I think I've been pretty open. I'm a Mets fan when professional baseball. I watch more Florida Gators baseball than New York Mets baseball, and I live in Queens. Like I live near the Mets. Uh, and I watch more Florida Gators baseball than Mets baseball. And the Florida Gators headed to the College World Series, headed to Omaha. And man, does it feel good to be back in the College World Series for the Florida Gators, where for years now it's been like, oh, they're close. Nope, they're close. Nope, they're close. Nope. And it's just felt like, all right, get over the hump. Just get over the hump. And Florida did that to get back into the College World Series and then now they are traveling, I think, today, Wednesday, June 14th, uh, to Omaha. Gators play Virginia Cavaliers on Friday. And I'm just going to put this out there now, just throwing this into the ether if you want to uh, participate at all. I'm taking the over. I don't know yet what the over is. Because it's actually, let me see right now if at the time of recording this is live. Because when I was writing like my notes, I was like, okay, no over set yet. We're going to see if there's an over and I will bet it right now. Uh, we're going to see. Let's see. I know, I know this is annoying, but just like you need to know now, you can't bet the over yet. Okay. When I can bet the over, no matter what that over is, I will be betting the over because. It's Florida. We know Gators bats can come alive. Like we know that they, they want to hit dingers, as we'll say. Uh, and Virginia, little irritating pest money ball style. Like, like runs will be scored in this game. No other way to put it. Runs will be scored. Because Virginia, they're thought of as like 
the Moneyball side. They have some dudes who can rake. Okay, so runs gonna be coming in plenty here. Uh, the Gators play, I think, at 7 p.m. Uh, and win or lose, the Gators will play on Sunday. College World Series is double elimination. So they'll play on Sunday against either TCU or Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, of course, a couple years ago, eliminated Florida from March Madness in basketball and have the potential to do it again. And TCU, my God. I don't know if you were paying attention to uh, TCU Arkansas. My God. <laughs> there was, uh, TCU dropped 20 on him at one point. It was just like, it was in insanely high scoring. It was incredible to see. Uh, I realize that I see quite a bit of people on social media going, oh, it's an easy bracket. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. I think this is one of those brackets where it's like every team can be beaten. Like, like they're, Florida should be favored against every one of these teams, obviously. But also, do not sleep on any of these teams. Uh, if I had to rank like who's best, I'd say it goes Virginia, TCU, Oral Roberts. But Virginia and TCU are pretty close because TCU's bats can just come alive at any time. And Oral Roberts, I mean, beat Oregon there. So it's great for them. Uh, bad for me. I, I had that in a parlay. I had Oregon to go and Oregon, well screwed it up thanks for that uh, i am curious to see what sully's approach is going to be with the pitching staff just this weekend in general or just throughout the college world series in general because you know you had times like hurston Waldrop last week where he's going deep into the pitch count i mean dominant performance but deep into the pitch count i'm curious to see what sully's plan is because it's also possible let me pull this bracket up again because it's also possible uh that you can see the Gators play Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if need be. And at that case, or in that point, you know, you, you kind of have to make sure that you've got the right guy. So I'm curious to see what Sully's plan is going to be where if a starter is dominating, do you still take him out to preserve him for later? Or do you just let him go and preserve your bullpen? If a starter is struggling, do you let him try to work through this or is this a, a scenario where you just can't let them do that and you go to the bullpen and you burn your bullpen early? Curious to see what exactly will happen. Um, will you do shorter leashes, longer leashes? Because I feel like here, like like I'm confident in the Gators bats. I know the Gators bats can go going. It's for me pitching will you show up with any sort of consistency if you're on this pitching staff and how will Sully react to this? Cause again, especially when you look at Virginia, Virginia just gets on base a lot. If they get on base a lot, like, is that something where you just go, yeah, I don't care about the hits that are going up as long as the runs aren't piling up, or I don't care about how many sticky situations we find ourselves in as long as we're getting out of them. So I think for Friday, especially like you got to see how Sully handles with Virginia, unless, of course, they just don't get on base, but that's not Virginia style. They're going to moneyball their way for you to death. Uh, so I'm curious about that. But also the most important question I have, how the heck is BT Rappel having the postseason he's been having? And he's still just like, yep, going into finance immediately after the College World Series. Drives me crazy. But also, I kind of get it because riding high off this momentum, like I feel like Gainesville is just going to give him a ton 
of credit, or really just Florida in general, is going to give him a ton of business. So I kind of get it. I do. I kind of get it. Don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going pro and missing this opportunity and burning the momentum. I get it. It drives me up a wall because I think he can play pro, but I get it. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. We got Brian Smith joining to talk recruiting official visits this weekend. Uh, He should be here Friday as well. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33, and I'll see you all tomorrow.